John chapter 17, your Bible. Let me very quickly give you an, uh, maybe a background of the book of John. When my wife and I, we served in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, when we served there, many times when someone would get saved, um, they would ask, we'd tell them to go ahead and start reading the Bible. And uh, many times they would say, they'd look at the Bible, you know, about a dictionary, and they'd say, where do I start, you know? And of course, it's a good thing. Start right at the beginning, right? But many times I would tell a brand new Christian, Start in the book of John. The book of John is a beautiful book, and it goes all the way from the beginning all the way through the life of Christ. It's beautiful. Well, if we had time, we'd break down the, very quickly the book of John, and let me do so before we jump into our message. From John chapter number 1 to John chapter number 13, we see the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, the life and His ministry, all these miracles that He did, the things that He was doing from chapter number 1 to chapter number 13. From John 14 to 16, we see in that brief moment there that the Lord is getting ready to leave, and He speaks of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. He tells the men, I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm going to leave with you. The Comforter, the Holy Spirit, He's going to stay with you. In John chapter number 17, we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there He's down there praying. In John chapter 18 and John chapter number 19, we see the arrest and the trial of our Lord Jesus Christ. They take Him before, and they trial Him unfairly and incorrectly, but they trial him. And then chapter number 20, then they finally they have crucified him. Now he, uh, he comes back from the dead. He's risen again. And chapter number 21, as he rises again, he comes back and he goes to all the disciples. Then he looks at Peter. Remember that passage? And he says, do you love me? And he says, of course I do. And he said, good, then feed my sheep. And over and over again, he, he says it. What a beautiful portion. Well, I want to focus our attention for just a while this morning. If we could on chapter number 17. Now, chapter number 17, we specifically see the prayer of our Savior. So, if you can think with me, if you would, in your mind, you remember over in Matthew chapter number 6, the Lord taught His disciples how to pray. In fact, He said, now when you're going to pray, pray like this. And He said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as it is heaven. He goes through there, not for us to repeat some prayer, but yet He gave an example, this is how to pray. Well, in Matthew 6, He tells them how to pray. But in John chapter number 17, he shows them how to pray. And what a beautiful portion of scripture that we're going to dive into this morning. If you have a pen, we're going to underline a few different things here. And we're going to look at that prayer of our Savior. I enjoy it because I like to imagine different things. And as you can see through this passage, it's almost like you can grab a hold of the curtains of time and you could pull them back. And right back there is our Lord and he's leaning down. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane and there he's praying for us. So go with me to John chapter number 17. He begins this prayer and this is what he says in verse number 3. John chapter 17, verse number 3. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What a beautiful thing. He says, you know what life is all about? Knowing God. You know what? That someone may know him in salvation, but then not only know him in salvation, that you and I might know him intimately, personally, walking with him, and knowing him greater. 
In chapter, in verse number four, he says that he's finished. In verse number six, he goes down and look what the Bible says. I have manifested. Now remember, this is Jesus Christ, 100% God, yet 100% man. This is what he says. I have manifested thy name unto the men. Now, Jesus is speaking to God. He speaks of these men. Now look what the Bible says. Which thou gavest me out of the world, thine they were, and thou gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. Now, who were the men that God gave to Jesus that he spent all this time with these last three and a half years that he was doing his ministry of the 33 years that he had upon this earth? Who were these men that God had given to him? They were the apostles, the disciples, the disciples of Jesus Christ, the followers of our Lord. Now, the first portion of his prayer, we're going to divide this chapter up. We're going to break it into two different parts here. And I want to show you the very first portion of the prayer of our Savior. First of all, he prays for his disciples. You know, the beautiful thing is, if you're a child of God, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing. Now, listen to this. Isn't it wonderful, well, at least interesting, that every once in a while maybe you get a text message or maybe you get a Facebook message or someone sends you a message, a little letter or whatever it may be, and they say, I'm praying for you. Does that ever encourage anybody? Sure encourages me. Someone says, I'm praying for you. Now listen to this. Isn't it more encouraging that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, looks to his Father and as he's praying, he starts off his prayer and says, I'm praying for the disciples. What an encouragement to know that he is praying for me. Now let's see what he's praying about specifically. John chapter 17, jump all the way down, verse number 13 if you would. This is how he begins his prayer. Now remember, he's praying for us. Look at what he says, John chapter 17, verse number 13. And now I come to thee. Now I, Jesus, come to thee, God. Look what it says here. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they, remember the pronoun they, speaking of the disciples. Jesus, praying, speaking to God, talking about his disciples, his followers. Now I speak, now I come to thee, and these things I speak to the world, that they might have my, would you say that next word very loud, they might have my, what does it say? Joy fulfilled in them. So remember, run over here with me very quickly. Matthew 6, he says, this is how you pray. John 17, we pull back the curtains, and there he is, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's down upon his knees. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. In just a moment, they're going to take him away. But before they take him away, we see him in person. He's down upon his knees praying. And what is he praying about? He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He's praying for the disciples. But what specifically is he praying about? First of all, as he prays for his disciples, he prays, number one, that we might have joy. Would you say that with me? That we might have, what was it? One more time, that we might have what? Joy. Now let's be quite honest. The average Christian, he walks around pretty sad, almost as if he's sucking on a limb in half the night. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you look and you go into church and say, how you doing, bro? I say, I'm doing okay. I really? Boy, have you ever thought about telling your face you're doing okay? I mean, come on, man. I mean, the Lord's been good to us. And this is what the Lord begins his prayer. He begins to pray, and as he prays, he says, Lord, that they might have joy. Now, you remember in Psalm chapter 16, verse number 11, that the true joy is in the presence of our Savior. So listen, dear friend, nothing of this world can satisfy, satisfy you like Jesus Christ can satisfy you. Is that right? He's the one who gives you the joy. But listen, as he prays for us, he prays that we might have joy. Just a few chapters back in chapter number 10, he says, that he begins to pray and he begins to speak and he says that you might have life and life more abundantly. That we might have joy, dear friends. You see, God doesn't, I used to think when I was young, I, 
when I was in high school, I got saved when I was in high school and I was rambunctious and I didn't care and I didn't want anything to do with the things God, mom and dad took me to church. In fact, my dad had this rule. He said, son, we're going to church. And I, I, man, I fight my dad all the time. Dad, I don't want to go to church. He said, we're going to church. And he said, if you're living in my house and eating my food, you're going to church with me. I mean, I used to fight my dad all the time. I said, dad, I don't want to go. And I remember sometimes I'd say, dad, do we have to go to church? He would say, no. And I said, yes. He'd say, we don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. I said, that's not funny. You know, like, come on, dad. And man, my daddy, you get a hold of me. I didn't have a good attitude. He'd grab a hold of my ear and he'd pull me and say, we're going to church. You see, you thought God made these big things? No, my dad did. I mean, my dad ripped me. I mean, turned me over. But listen, you know what? Many times I go to church and when I got saved, I thought, well, there goes the rest of my life. Now I have to be, you know, old miserable like the other Christians because it seemed like all oh, the Christian man I just had a good old time and it seemed like the other people in our church I'd walk up to them they were always serious they were always looking I mean they're always staring people at I thought man alive are these guys you must not be able to be happy if you're a Christian here's what the Lord says Lord God would you help my children that they might have joy you see, God wants you to be a happy Christian. God wants you to, listen, dear friend, who else knows where they're going to go when they die? Who else has the blessings of God upon their life? Who else has the presence of God upon their life? Every day he renews us with new blessings. Listen, we should be happy Christians, amen? And the Lord, as he's there, as he's there in the garden, he's beginning to pray and he says, Lord, first of all, I pray that they may have joy. Child of God, are you truly thankful for how good God has been to you? When was the last time you told them? When was the last time you realized that God's a good God, isn't he? So he begins to pray, and he prays, first of all, that we might have joy. Now follow with me. He's going to continue praying. First of all, he prays that we might have joy. Jump up to verse number 11, would you? The Bible says this, verse number 11. And now I am no more, look what it says, I am no more in the world, but these, the disciples, are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. This is Jesus speaking to God. I come to thee, Holy Father, Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be, next word, what does it say? One, even as we are. So this is what the Lord's praying. Follow with me. He's down there upon his knees. First part of his prayer, he's praying for disciples, for you and me, the followers of Jesus Christ. What an encouragement. But while he begins to pray, he prays first of all that we might have, what was it? That we might have what? Joy. But not only does he pray that we might have joy, second of all, he goes up and he says, God, help them to be one, as you and I are one. Remember John chapter 10, verse number 30, he said that we are one. You see, God the Father, God the Son, they're one. And so he prays not only that we might have joy, he prays, second of all, that we might have unity. Unity? Now, I'm not talking about an ecumenical movement, dear friend, where let's just love everybody and hold everybody's hands and sing kumbaya with the Pope. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, dear friends, as children of God, so many times the devil begins, now, let me say this so that you don't get aggravated at me and say, do you know something that I don't know or whatever it may be? Let me just say, I don't know you very well, dear friend, but let me tell you the problems that are in the churches of Argentina. God allowed my family and I to start several churches down there and work in different, different atmospheres and different ministries. And God was good to us. We had a wonderful time. And many times, one of the biggest problems in our churches, it wasn't the neighbors. We even had neighbors who would throw rocks on the top of our tin roof to make noise. And some would turn up their music and Boy, I almost got in the flesh several times, said, Lord, let me go over and visit them with a holy blessing from you. You know, I get aggravated as all get out, you know. Like, shut up, you know. But many times the problem wasn't the stuff from the outside. Listen to this. The problem was the people in the inside. 
It wasn't even big things. It wasn't sin. It wasn't really anything like that. Many of our problems were our brethren got together and man, we would come in and all of a sudden you'd look and say, how you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing good, preacher. Good to see you. And you see, how you doing? Oh, well, I'm doing good. You say, Did you see what she's wearing? Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. Does she not even know that doesn't matter? Oh man. Did you see his haircut? Oh Lord have mercy. He went to greater clips and they cut it all the way up. I mean, good night. Come on. And man, we just fight. We go back and forth. And it's almost like the devil saying, "Woo! now they'll never worry about getting the gospel out because they're fighting amongst each other. Following what I'm saying? Many times, dear brethren, God has told us that we are to love one another, to serve one another, help one another, exhort one another. All these one another, about 20 so verses that God says one another. And many times, most of the time, we're arguing amongst each other. Listen, can we put our differences aside and say, listen, the gospel must get around the world. Let's serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Put our petty differences aside, and let's go forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you imagine what would happen if all of us this morning would say, you know what, fooey on what I think or what my preference is. Hey, let's get together and as a church of God, let's get the gospel out. Let's all carry tracks. Let's all serve God. Let's all tell our neighbor. Let's all invite people. Boy, God would do something good, wouldn't he? Well, we can impact some. We can make a big difference. Listen, so he begins to pray. Here he is. He's down there praying. We pulled away the curtain. There's the Lord in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He's praying for you and he's praying for me. He's praying that we might have joy. Second of all, he's praying that we might have unity. Well, go with me very quickly. This is what the Bible says. John chapter number 17. We'll jump down to verse number 14. The Bible says, I have given them, that them, that's these disciples, that's you and me, the today that are followers of Jesus Christ, I've given them thy what does it say? What does it say? Word. I've given them thy word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So first of all, as he prays, he prays that we might have joy. He prays that we might have unity. But then all of a sudden, he gives us exactly what we need. Listen, dear friends. He gives us the truth. The word of God. It's like our instruction manual so that we can get through this world, know how to do things. In other words, he says, I'm not going to leave them so that they can say, what in the world am I supposed to do? The Lord says, I've given them thy word. Now, he was the word in the flesh. But now you and I, what he spoke, what we have, the word of God so that we can know how to live and how to continue going, dear friends, so that we don't faint. The word of God. He's given us exactly what we need. We can continue going on through that passage, but he has given us his word. Now, for Christmas, a couple months ago, my wife bought my son. I've got five children. I've got four girls. And finally, the Lord blessed us with the little boy. We were done with the uh, with our children. We were very thankful. God given us girls. And man, we just, things were going well. And then all of a sudden, here comes the surprise. And when that surprise came, we found out we were having a boy. And so, I mean, it just changed my house. Little fella thinks that he rules the roost. You know what I'm saying? I mean, good night. He just turned six just a couple weeks ago. And he thinks that he rules everything. In fact, he'll sit at the kitchen table and say, I want a drink. And one of my girls will get up and say, I'll get it. And I say, no, sit down. Get up and get it yourself, buddy. And he says, but I just want, and one of my girls will look and say, Dad, don't worry about it. I'll get it. I say, no, punk. I used to be the king around here. Go get it yourself. And now everybody, my wife, my four girls, everybody is now the servant of this little punk that's in my house. I guess not fair, you know? I mean, I used to be the main attention in the house. Now look, I've got competition, you know? Well, you know, my wife, so a couple months ago, my wife gets my son this, um, I don't know, this little bitty box. It comes with all these metal pieces with holes in them and all these 60,000 bags of screws. 
And it says there's like four different things that you can make. You can make an airplane. You can make a car. You can make, and my, my wife said, I got it for him so that you guys can do something together. Yeah, I mean, you just a little project. And so, man, I sat down there and I opened like, I mean, a million screws. T1, T2, they all got all these numbers. And I'm trying to put them all together. And after about 30 minutes, I said, baby, you bought this piece of junk. You fix it. I can't figure it out. I said, son, let's go out and mow. <laughs> you know, like, I can't do this. You know, it drove me nuts. So I said, why would you buy something that you have to put together yourself? My wife says, well, sweetie, read the instruction manual. I said, that's for dummies. I don't read instruction manuals. I'm a man for crying out loud. And then she walks out of the room. And I said, how do you do that? You know, like, I can't figure it out. Listen to this. Now God has left us in this world. And this is what he said. Jesus is praying to God. God, give them joy. God, give them unity. And Lord, so that they know what they're doing. They don't have to walk around saying, I'm not sure, God. I've given them a manual so that they can know how to live. You want to have the best marriage in the world? Right here, it'll teach you. You know how to be a good daddy or a good mama? Right here, it'll teach you. You want to know how to be a good co-worker or whatever it may be? Right here, this book will teach you. God has given us his word. Now go with me very quickly. Next verse down, John chapter number 17. As he prays for you and as he prays for me, jump down to verse number 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Now Jesus is speaking to God. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. To be quite honest, this confused me a good bit. In fact, I was very, a little flustered. I thought, what in the world is that supposed to mean? I mean, God, we got saved. You could just take us on out of here. We would forget all about the problems and the struggles, whether it's financial or whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whatever it may be. God, we can just skip all those problems. Just take us straight home, God. But Jesus said, I've left them in the world. But I've left them in the world, and they still have our help. Listen, dear friends. As God left us in the world, he begins to pray that we might have joy, pray that we might have unity. He's given us his manual, but listen to this. Even in tribulation, even in hard times, we have his presence with us. You see, as a child of God, it's so sad when somebody, when there's a funeral and there's no hope, but what, this is what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Hey, you and I that have hope, we know that there's something. Hey, we know that we do, this is not our last step, our last moment upon this planet. is our first moment, our first breath in heaven. Praise God, we can comfort one another with these words, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.18. We have hope. The book right there in John chapter 16, verse number 33, is it right before it jumps into chapter 17, the Lord says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Look what it says here. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. What a blessing it is that all through that we have problems and struggles in this world, we know that we have the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I've not left them here. Now, I wanted to show you, we're getting ready to flip the other side of the coin. The prayer's about to change, but as the Lord is down there, as he's praying, he prays for you and me. What an encouragement. What a blessing. He prays that we might have joy. He prays that we might have unity. He prays that, he, he says, they've given, I've given them your word, and now I'm going to give them presence so they can continue on in this world. But now the prayer is about to change. Follow with me. Look what the Bible says. We jump down a little bit more all the way during verse number 20. The Bible says this, Jesus speaking to God, neither pray I for these alone. That these, speaking about the disciples, the followers of Jesus. He says, I'm not only praying for them, look at this, but for them also, which, next two words, what does it say? Shall believe. 
For them also which shall believe on me through their, that there is a pronoun speaking of the disciples, and that they shall believe because of their word. Now follow with me. Now remember over here, the Lord's praying. We pull back curtains of time and there you see the Lord. He's down upon his knees. He's praying that we might have joy. We know he's praying for us. What a blessing. What an encouragement. But lest we get prideful, lest we get arrogant and say, wow, it's all about me. All of a sudden, the Lord turns his attention of his prayer. He says, now God, I'm praying, but not only for these, the followers, I'm praying for these also one day which shall, what does it say, shall what? Believe. On them. They're going to believe on you, God. They're going to become followers of you just like them. They're going to be your children, God. I'm praying for them also which shall believe, but they will believe because of their word. So listen to this. The prayer is not only about us. The prayer is for his disciples, but the prayer is also for all those that will believe one day, but they will only believe because of your, my participation in getting the gospel out so that they can hear and then they can believe. So this is what the Lord says. I'm praying. God, I'm going to use them. God, you're going to use them. God, I've given them. Here they are. You can use them so that other people will believe. In other words, other people in Mozambique will believe in Jesus Christ because of your participation. My prayer, our participation in getting my brother over there. People in Argentina, they will believe because of our prayer, our participation, that they will get over there, that my brother Hill will get over there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will believe, but they will believe because of our participation. But how, you say? If you're like me, boy, when I grew up, I had a rough time in school. I didn't do very well. In fact, I couldn't read for a long time. I went through the fourth grade three different times. Buddy, I was having a good old time. About the third time around, I thought, you know, I wonder either A, teacher has a crush on me, wants to keep me around, or B, I am really dumb. You know, I mean, come on, man. And so, man, I just kept repeating that over and over. I was having a rough time. And then God began to help me. I got saved in high school and I put away a whole lot of things. I cheated my way all the way through school. And finally I get saved and I thought, God, does this mean I really have to study now? Come on. I mean, I mean, be merciful on a guy, you know? Finally, I get all the way out and I get to college. God was merciful. And man, God was good and helped us through. But many times I look at my life and I say, now God, Thank you for praying for me. And thank you for saying that others will believe one day, but God, I'll be honest with you. How are you going to use me? I mean, Lord, there's nothing good about me. A few years back, I went to the church where I grew up. I'm from the Midwest, and I went back to Missouri where I grew up, and I was shaking some hands with some gentlemen. One guy, he was my seventh, eighth grade teacher, he walked up to me. I still wasn't saved when I was in his class, and he walked up to me, and he said, hey, Jeff, good to see you. And I said, well, thank you, sir. It's good to be here. And he said, I'm really surprised. In fact, I'm, I'm glad to see what you're doing because, to be quite honest, I never thought you'd make it. I thought, well, thanks for the encouragement, brother. <laughs> you know I mean, like, come on, you know? I mean, I know I was headed towards jail, but Lord have mercy. I mean, way to slam a guy down, you know? Man, I was like, wow. Well, you know, there's nothing good in me. I don't have the talents and the abilities. I wish I could do that. I was never smart. Uh, my wife was in my study group at college. You know, I mean... It possibly could be because I was studying, but very likely it wasn't that I was studying. <laughs> but she was in my study group, and man, I mean, she, my wife, she wouldn't even study, and she would get like, she would miss one question. She would get like an A minus, and she's like, oh man, I like got a D plus, and I was like, yeah, baby, I'm out of this place. I mean, we're like polar opposites, man. So God says, think about this, God says, 
Hey, I'm praying for the disciples, but I'm praying for all those that will believe one day, but they will believe because of their participation. And you look and I say, God, but me? How can you use me? God, how can I help so they can get over there, preach the gospel, that people all around here can hear? God, how can you help me? So listen here. He equips us. Follow with me very quickly. Through the word of God, this is what it says. Jump down to verse number 22. And the glory, follow with me, the glory which thou, God, gavest me, I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. So he prays for the disciples. Now he prays for those that will believe but he's going to use us. We're the equation right there in the middle. But how is he going to use us? First of all, he gives us his glory. Now that seems contradictory because God doesn't share his glory with anybody. But I believe that this is speaking from Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, where he said, they have his power to be witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other was part of there. How, God, there's nothing good in me. And the Lord says, but I've given you the authority. I've given you the power. I've given you the strength. I've given you everything you need so that you can get the job done. Let's be honest. We're limited. God, I don't have abilities. Boy, I mean, sometimes we'll, we'll tell somebody and pull out a track and invite somebody to church. And they say, well, I got a question for you. How come the Bible says? And all of a sudden we get nervous. We said, wow, if pastor was here, he can lead them to the Lord. Or man, if somebody else, they, they know Bible verses. God, sorry, I came to my limitation. Can't do it. The Lord said, no, no, no. I've given you exactly what you need so that you can be used by me. You see, God gives us what we need, brethren. We say, God, financially, I can't. And the Lord says, if you believe in me, I bet I can do a little bit more than you think you can. But what about my children, God? And God says, if you give them to me, I bet you I can protect them better than you ever can. But God, how do I have time to pray and to work? God says, if you give me your time, I bet I can make it work out better than you never can. You see, when God tells us to do something, God always equips us for the job. He says, hey guys, they'll hear one day, but they'll hear because of your participation. He said, I'm going to equip you so that you can get the job done. Jump down to verse number 26, very last verse in the scripture, in this passage, this chapter. I have declared unto them, Jesus says to God, I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. So you say, Lord, thank you for praying for me. God, I know a lot of other people will be saved one day all around our city in Bonita Springs, Lord. I know people will be saved in Fort Myers, and I know they'll be saved in Mozambique, and I know they'll be saved in Argentina, all those places, God, because you said it, but God, you said you're going to use me. How can you use me, God? I'm nothing. I'm not smart. I don't have all the money, the education. God, how can you use me? And the Lord says, don't you worry about it. I've given you the equipping that you need to go, and second of all, I've given you the love that you are to show them so that they can know the Father. Listen, dear friends, you see the work of God, many times we can do it with all our might, but the work of God without the help of God is absolutely nothing. Boy, so many times I've tried in my own strength. It just doesn't work. When you get close to God, God can make you radiant. God can do four times that you can do on your best day. You see, the love of God, it has to shine through us. So many times we're critical so many times we say, well, look at that person. Boy, they, whether it is that, boy, they just don't have the appearance of someone who can come to our church, or I just don't know, man, they don't look like it. And God says, why don't you show a little bit of love for that person? Bring them here because they need the gospel just like you do. Can I tell you all over, all, 
Lord has allowed me to travel all over in different places and all over in South America where they're walking to be Catholics and they're, they're, they're praying these beaded prayers and they're doing all this or over in China where they're worshiping shrines or over in Nepal where every day they put that, that on their head and they walk over and they say, now we've done our duty. Listen, and we say, well, they just don't understand. No, dear friend, maybe you and I need to have a little bit more love to show them so that they can understand. See, to be quite honest, news media has made us where we almost hate other groups. And the Lord says, I've not died just for you. I've not, please excuse me, I've not died for just Americans, Westerners. I died for the entire world. You see, God wants them all saved. A little bit of, listen, our love shouldn't be just words. Imagine if I told my wife I love her, and then I go do whatever I want. My wife would say, you say one thing, but you show another thing. And how many times do we do the same thing with our God? Lord says, listen, they need love. I've shown you the love. I've rescued you from hell. I've given you blessing. I've done all this. Why don't you show love so that other people around the world can be saved? Why don't you show love so that other people all around your city? Listen, it comes down to this, dear friends. The Lord Jesus Christ is down there praying. And as he's upon his knees, look. As he's upon his knees, he's praying for you and he's praying for me. What an encouragement. What a blessing. What exciting news. He's praying that we might have joy, that we might have you. He's praying. He's given us he, everything that we need. He's right with us. But then he stops and he says, I'm not just praying for you. I'm praying for all those that one day will believe. But God, how are they going to believe? He says, you, through your word, they're going to believe. But God, how me? We come to this Faith Promise Missions conference time. We're in missions where pastor says, tear that off your bulletin, and I want you to pray throughout the week. How can you help a little bit more so that people can hear the gospel? How can you pray a little bit more so that God will send someone out here? Listen, and it's in you and I, the love that God has shown us, that we must show the world. You see, there's a world out there that needs Jesus Christ. And right in the middle of that world that needs, there's us. Right in the world that needs Jesus Christ, there's you and I right in the middle. You see, the question, listen, the question is not if God's going to do a work. The question is, if you're going to have a part in the work that God's going to do right here at Gospel Baptist Church, God wants to use you. Let's have a part in the great plan of God. Can we pray? If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.